It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. John Gray. John, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Thank you so much. I, I like relating to being a superhero. I grew up in the 60s, and every morning we go to the store and see the new comic books of superheroes. So I live in that generation, which really translates into being your best, personal growth. I'm all about it. Thank you for inviting me. Well, Dr. John, this is a real thrill, and the, and the first time that we've included the beautiful Anna Maidenova on the podcast, which I think our fans will will be very excited for and given the topic of today's conversation no no more pertinent time in the world i think i'd like to start off with a tricky one for you if you if you're up to the challenge that's great so during the lockdown john i was made redundant and i lost about 85 percent of my earning capacity during that time and whilst we were able to manage uh towards the end there I became dependent on Anna to fund some of the major overheads in the household and it and it did disrupt the dynamic of our relationship at times and I was curious to know how you might explain what went on there. Well, I have a really nice ex- you can explain anything from many different points of view, right? So my, in my most recent book, I've got a lot of my books over there, but one's called Beyond Mars and Venus. And I'm helping people understand how men and women are different in terms of their biology. And the biology is set when you're born. As a male, you require 10 times at a minimum, 10 times more testosterone than a woman to experience well-being. And when your testosterone is low, and your estrogen is high, that's the female hormone, your cortisol levels get produced, and that's called stress. And that interferes with feeling affection and warmth, okay? So when your hormones are out of balance, you can't feel affection and warmth. For a woman, when she feels uh, taken care of, supported, she can get what she needs, that produces estrogen. She needs to make 10 times more estrogen than a man in order to feel warm and friendly and to be optimistic, and to see the good qualities. And if her estrogen goes down, usually at that time, her testosterone goes up. Estrogen is receptivity. And if you feel like I can't get what I need, then a woman tends to go automatically over to her male hormone while I'll do it myself. I've got to do it myself. And that's something that you've just described is when a woman is used to getting a certain kind of support from you, that produces testosterone. And but more importantly, your work 
your earning capacity as a man is your major source of testosterone. You know, there's some other speakers like me that talk about men are really not suitable to be in an intimate relationship if they can't provide enough for themselves. You, you have to find your own, your own generation of testosterone happens through work, through accomplishment, through achievement, through self-esteem. It has a lot to do with doing things and getting a result from people that you don't love. Okay, you can love them, but it's not, it's kind of a conditional love. Conditional love stimulates testosterone. When you go out and you do your work, you know, I love doing my work, but I also do it for a result that's going to produce income. There's a result I want to see. And then I can give it to my spouse unconditionally. And then I get a kind of royal response, which is true appreciation and love and intimacy. But women require, in order for their estrogen to go up, they require to feel a higher degree of he's giving to me than I'm giving to him. And so you had a dynamic in your relationship because you were not looking to her to boost your ego. You had your work, to put it in simple terms, boosting ego, you know, you want to feel like, hey, look what I can do. That's a man, superhero, I can accomplish this. And in our society, it could be in different things in other societies, but it's reality. When, you have, when you're making money, you feel like a superhero. And then you make your wife happy, you're super, more superhero. Uh, or your fiance or girlfriend, whatever, you know, but you see, that's the add on for a man. I become happier when I can do something on my own and then I can provide for her. So it took a dent in your, in your ego and your sense of self-worth uh, in order to suddenly you're making a certain amount, you're working and now you're not, then your testosterone tends to go down, particularly if you were used to being a certain level of superhero in terms of finances. Now, women need to feel the biology in a man of high testosterone. There, there's research that shows that when a man's testosterone is higher than the average, it raises a woman's estrogen. And whenever a woman is stressed, it's because on a hormonal level, her estrogen levels are low. On a behavior level, it's she's feeling, I have to do everything myself now. It all depends on me. She starts to feel overwhelmed and biologically, she can't experience that normal level of unconditional love that she has for you. The tendency to have complaints or to not be as happy as before will be there. And it's like a shock and it's happening, not just to you, but all over the world right now, there's, I mean, the two of you are in the, in the lucky stage of engagement. So just that you get free hormones when you're engaged. Okay. There are free hormones of newness but for couples that are married, oh, they're having a big trouble here. Because if men don't have that testosterone produced, which makes you feel like a superhero, you can't rescue the, the, the dasmal in distress. As, as sexist as that sounds, it's really about men providing for women. And when, I know you don't think it's sexist, but I'm making sure other people know that that's what people call sexism. You know, if I treat men and women as different, but women need to feel they can lean on you. You're their backup system. You know, like right now, you're behind her. That sense of I'm your backup, I'm your support. And the problem for women is they can become too needy at this time as well because they depend on you for backup, but they also need a life. I, I think you really only need a man at, for 10% of your support. It's just the, it's like dessert. You have to have a main meal and then you get dessert. He's dessert. 
But if you don't get your main meal, dessert isn't satisfying. So those are some, so that's one of the challenges that you're facing, couples are facing today. And other couples, even when we don't have lockdown and all this, you know, there's people being out of work and so forth, just when a man doesn't make more money than his wife, it's a challenge. And, and it's not that you can't overcome that challenge. That's what I teach is how to overcome these challenges. But I see the passion going very quickly out of relationships where the man stays home with the children and the women are out making money. And they do it because it's a logical thing. Women today, if they're educated, often can make way more money than men. And you have a family. So it's only logical he stays home and takes care of the kids, which produces female hormones. And she's out making money, which produces testosterone, male hormones. And then they go, where's the chemistry? What happened? What happened? And there's solutions, but first I need to talk about the problem. Well, I think that's a pretty damn good explanation, uh, John. And I think Anna has a question next that will help round out a lot more of the scenario that's been going on. So maybe I could pass it to, to you, darling. Uh, John, I'm just interested. I I do feel like I am uh, lack of energy. What would you recommend for uh, female to do in this situation, how to bring this energy back, how to um, support your man in this situation if it's happened, if he lost his income. But I'm, I'm going to challenge you here to share a little bit more. Uh, just I hear the question and I would like you to define a little bit more as best you can. And a lot of people can't answer this question, which is, would you define that female energy for me? When you feel light, when you feel yourself happy no matter what, when you love yourself and your man unconditionally, when you have uh, energy to do something, to create, you want to smile. <laughs> All right, you hit it. That's it. Your perfect answer, you know, and uh, it's amazing. It came right out of you. That's the feminine energy. Not everybody identifies that as feminine energy. You know, like I'm smiling right now. That's feminine energy. But I also have my male energy, which is I'm focused. I'm committed. I'm doing my work. This is my job. I want to save the world or help the world at least. You know, that's the male energy. Superhero. I'm out there making a difference. But I'm smiling. That's my female energy. And I want to have both those energies. And so... Let's see female energy for the people listening to know that that smile, that feeling of he's dessert, he's unconditional love, that gives you a sense of freedom to give, not a burden to give. You know, when I, when I look at, see, I'm doing this 50 years and seen a lot of couples who are in love, had a great relationship and went downhill because they didn't understand how to nurture each other's differences. You know, we are all alike in certain ways. And when you're in harmony between your male and female sides, it feels like we're just the same. However, we are different. Biologically, we have different needs and you need, how do I, I'm a woman and I'm not feeling that female energy. I'm not smiling. I'm not feeling light. I'm not feeling a sense of abundance. And I'll add to that a sense of happiness that comes from havingness having this, you know, you know, sometimes you order something on, online and it comes in a package. You go, oh, look what I have. <laughs> there's, there's a funness. I was like getting a Christmas present. You know, you go, oh, I'm unwrapping my present. Look what I have. Having this is a very part of feminine energy. Also why 
I, you know, it may sound too materialistic, but I recommend to women often when you're stressed, go shopping. <laughs> and, and see, it doesn't, you don't have to buy expensive stuff either. It's just go shopping and actually getting a good deal. <laughs> you know, my wife would go shopping and she'd always go, oh, and I saved this much on this and I saved this much on this. It, that also is a, a way of increasing estrogen. It's a, it's a, it's a very feminine energy that wants to, uh, save this and save this and save this. You know, these companies, they still send out coupons, you know, save 15 cents on this soup and save 20. And a guy goes, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> generally speaking, you know, it, but for a woman, it's these little things. And so uh, for your relationship, in any relationship where the woman is missing some of the feminine energy, which we define a smile, a happiness, a freedom to give, a not feeling a burden to give, not feeling like I have to give to get something. You see, that's the trick to this is when women are not getting, then they start giving to get. And then they come to me as a marriage counselor and I say, what are the problems? And they say, I give and give and give and I'm unhappy. Yeah. And I go, why are you unhappy if you're giving all the time? Isn't it better to give than to receive? And they say, yeah, but I don't get anything. Oh, I see you're giving to get. And that, yet, yeah, so you have to realize it's, it's like a wake up call. I thought I was being so loving. I'm being a woman now for a moment because I'm giving all the time. But actually, if you're giving to get, it's not unconditional. And that's the romantic experience, which you described, free and giving, as opposed to feeling unhappy, which, you know, if somebody wants divorce or whatever, usually it's the woman who says, and this is interesting, kind of set me on my path of really understanding differences between men and women. Women will almost always say, you know, I give and give and I don't get back. And I go, wow, that's so interesting. Why would you keep giving if you're not getting back? That was my thought as a man. It's so because when, It's so women. Whereas a man, when he comes and he wants a divorce, I say, what's the deal here? You know, I'll take him to the side. And if I take him to the side and she's not there, I say, what's the bottom line? Men have a bottom line. They say, John, no matter what I do, it's never enough to make her happy. That's all we want, really. Now, if they're in the same room and she starts to complain, he'll complain back. Okay. Yeah, but you don't do this. Well, you don't do that. And men are, they're playing tennis with you. You know, they're playing ping pong with you. You, you, a man can always hit the ball back. Okay. Because what happens is when you're on your dissatisfied female side, if he's having sex with you and he's intimate with you, he's one with you. So when you go to your dissatisfied female side, his brain will mirror that almost the way a child mirrors the parent. But if you're upset with him, he'll now become upset with you. But if you take him away from the woman and you say, hey, you know, connect with him, what's the bottom line here? He'll tell you the bottom line is no matter what I do, it's not enough to make her happy. She's always complaining. She's dissatisfied. She's not smiling. And translated into hormones, biologically, you can measure her body and her estrogen levels are too low. And biologically, you can measure that man's body, his testosterone levels are too low and his estrogen is too high. Whenever a man is dissatisfied with his partner, that's a negative emotion. His estrogen levels are going high and his testosterone is going down. Mm -hmm. Now, if his testosterone is up, you've got a job, you're feeling good, your wife's in a bad mood, you don't mirror it because you've got enough testosterone. But if it's down, there's a reactive tendency that happens. So women have so much power to transform a man if they just understood their power. It's that feminine energy. So how to use him to increase your feminine energy. 
So this is really a fun game you can play in your relationship. And I invented this game. It's not in any of my books yet because, you know, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. So you've got all these couples who are stuck at home and a lot of them are hating each other and arguing with each other. And they've already decided you don't love me or I don't love you. And once this is over, I'm getting a divorce. A lot have already started getting divorces, but a lot are planning it because they get in arguments. First of all, let me say they get in arguments. They say things that uh, their stress reactions are talking. And then the partner goes, I knew it. I knew it. You don't love me. And the person can't take it back. You see, it's like people often think you finally showed your true colors. And therefore, now I know you don't love me. Actually, they do love you. It's when they're not themselves, when their stress reactions are controlling themselves, then conditioning takes place, primitive conditioning in the brain, which is not about the love that they feel for you. So we have to recognize to a certain extent, our partners, if they're reacting in a negative way, they're like in a wheelchair. And you don't say to a person in a wheelchair, if you love me, you should walk. We should recognize that when your hormones are out of balance, there's another hormone that gets produced in the human body, both for men and women. It's just that it's low testosterone, high estrogen for men, low estrogen, high testosterone for women. Okay, this is our imbalance. We're like mirrors of each other. In those case, in both those cases, she's too far on her male side, he's too far on his female side with being emotional. Then cortisol gets produced. Cortisol is a stress hormone. Now, a lot of things happen with cortisol, but one simple thing in terms of relationship is that you cannot feel your love. You can know you love the person. You can say, oh, I'm angry with you because I love you, or I feel hurt by you because you love me. But actually, people have to realize when you're feeling hurt or angry or frustrated, you're not feeling love. <laughs> you, you're, you, you're getting angry because you do love that person at some other time. But right now, <laughs> it's like, I care so much about you that I'm letting you affect me and you're affecting me in a negative way. So I'm not loving you right now. Love is open heartedness. It's what you described. It's feminine energy. It's lightness. It's unconditional. It's, it's, it's love. And men find love through their mothers and then through their spouses. See, you are, your hormones are love. Estrogen is love. Because when a man goes to his estrogen side and he has low testosterone, it, he feels angry. This is what people don't realize. When men are angry, their estrogen is high. When men are argumentative, their estrogen is high. When men are arguing, their estrogen is high. Their testosterone is going down, down, down. And, and, you know, we think of arguing and fight and yelling and all that as being manly. Actually, it's the opposite. You're producing female hormones. And just that, for me, as a man, when I learned that, I went, whoa, I'm going to, you know, stop yelling, stop being angry. And if I'm angry, I'll stop talking. Because another thing I learned is that this is biology. If you're angry and you're a man and you talk about that anger, it just, estrogen goes higher and higher and higher. This is evidence by, there's an industry in America, which is, at least I know the statistics there, here, and that is uh, a massive amount of women go talk to therapists. Massive, okay? We're talking more than go to doctors, <laughs> go to therapy. It's a big, big business, therapy, and the people who go to therapy, 90% are women. Why? Because when they go to a therapist, the way a lot of therapy in America, which I do not agree with, okay, is they just sit there and make you write. 
they just say, yes, you're a hurt. He's a bad guy. Yes, you'll never feel better. Oh, yes, I know you feel this. And you feel sympathy. And, and so a person gets sympathy. They just wallow in their, their pain and their misery. And, and unfortunately, it ruins relationships quite often. There are other forms of therapy that are a bit more constructive where they where the therapist is able to feel empathy, which is not feeling sorry for you. It's just relating. I can understand why you'd feel that way. And then guide that person to the realization that they're responsible for feeling that way. <laughs> you can't blame your partner. You can, yes, your partner can ignore you. They can neglect you. You can get more, you get less. That's all logical reasons why you should feel what you feel. But actually it's your inability to love that causes you to have such strong reactions. You have to realize that whenever there's an argument, a fight, an upset, there's two people involved. There's two people. And you make it worse. And women don't know how they make it worse because I was talking about anger. So I was moving in this direction of explaining. A man's testosterone levels are low. He will tend to be a little more grumpy, a little more irritable. He'll be detached. See, detachment increases testosterone. Uh, connection and attachment increases estrogen. It's like you want to feel connection. And so when a man is not in his high Superman state, he tends to be a more detached. A woman, particularly in your case, for example, you're going to go, what's the matter? What's the matter? And you're going to ask questions. The worst thing for men to do when they're feeling stressed is to talk about feelings. See, talking about feelings increases estrogen. And let's take it another step further. When a guy's angry, women will engage him in a conversation and try to listen, and it will only make it worse because he'll, <laughs> but if, now, this is not what I recommend, but if a man is angry and he's talking about his feelings, if you did say to him, oh my gosh, you're completely right. I'm completely wrong. Tell me more what I did wrong. Uh, then, then he doesn't feel he's being blamed at all. His testosterone will come back up. But the problem is usually when he's angry, he's wrong. <laughs> I, have to, I have to tell you, uh, I don't normally tell this story, but you guys are so much fun. I was in a relationship in the past before I learned all this, right? And my, my girlfriend, and I was having a physical sexual relationship, which always amplifies estrogen in men. Okay. Sex produces estrogen. <laughs> and so you got to have strong testosterone to, to uh, have sex with a woman without afterwards becoming rather grumpy and irritable and passive and lack of interest and lack of motivation. Falling asleep. <laughs> of course, falling asleep. That, you know, that, that, that's why men just withdraw after. I, I remember <laughs> sex. I just you know, having my arm around her, kissing her, we make love, we both have orgasms. And then afterwards, I'm she's cuddling in my arms. I'm kind of like, how long do I have to do this? <laughs> <laughs> I try to, when I get to my side of the bed. <laughs> uh, you know, there are some women that say they want to pull away, but those are the women who have a lot of testosterone. And if you have a lot of testosterone, when you have an orgasm, your testosterone goes down. And it's separation, it's pulling away that allows you to rebuild testosterone. Intimacy allows you to create oxytocin. Oxytocin is a hormone uh, that allows you to increase estrogen. So even today, people don't fully understand the benefit of oxytocin. Oxytocin uh, has been known to lower stress, but primarily in women. Uh, there's a few examples where if a, if a man was uh, completely deficient in estrogen, 
oxytocin would help him produce some estrogen. But oxytocin, that's touching, non-sexual affection, compliments, uh, hugs, those all produce oxytocin. And also a man who doesn't get angry or if he gets angry, stops talking and tries to calm down. Uh, it's safety. Whenever women feel safe and not threatened, uh, then oxytocin gets produced. But what the function of oxytocin is for women is it allows their estrogen to go up. Estrogen is produced when you feel I can depend on you, I can ask for help. That's it, when I can depend on you and ask for help. When a therapist, she's smiling, yeah, you can ask for help. And when, when a woman goes to a doctor, for example, she needs help from the doctor if she trusts him, uh, her estrogen will go up. I think much of the time, you know, we have this thing called placebo effect. This hasn't been researched, but uh, we know that placebo effect, just giving someone a pill that does nothing can actually help heal them has a lot to do with belief, but I think it has more to do with women than men. <laughs> they haven't done that research. I like somebody to do it because literally, if you believe I can get help from someone, your estrogen goes up. And for women that lowers their stress hormone. And if it lowers your stress hormone, your immune system works better. Everything works better when you feel love in your heart. And, but ideally, and, and this I'll just say, because I've got a happy couple in front of me, Making love is the most powerful thing you can do for your health. It's the most powerful thing, health, and it's the most powerful thing to keep you connected is making love regularly. Now, it's literally having sex is, is, is depleting if it's not making love. So there, there's a reality there, which is you can have sex with anybody, whatever, and you just feel drained afterwards. But when it's somebody who loves you and you love them, then actually different hormones get produced when you make love. It's, it's very interesting to measure the hormone effect. When a, man, uh, when a man has sex on pornography, it will lower his testosterone and cause him to want to have more impersonal sex. So these young men who are all doing pornography can only get turned on to someone they don't know. And once they know a woman, they lose interest very quick. This is like crazy. I've, I know 21 year old men that are impotent with a real woman, but they, but they can certainly have sex online because it's not, doesn't produce estrogen that they, it's just terrible what's happening today. And it's, it's amazing. Uh, but anyway, coming back to the, the subject that we're talking about is the importance of sex and a game I was saying for couples, if the woman is not getting her estrogen from many, many sources, see men should be dessert. Okay, that's the, the, if you're happy, they can make you happier. So what makes you happy as a woman is you have various things that you depend on for backup, you know? So you have these relationships, you you know, you go to the store, you buy food, you know the person at the counter, you talk to the person, you've got a grocery, you go there and there's an abundance of food, you can buy food. You know, I just see these pictures of people in, in Texas, these huge parking lots of all these people getting free food. They can't even go to the store and buy food. This is like crazy and particularly higher stress for women because they need to feel I can have, you know, we men actually have a different biology system where we can go longer without food than women. And that's basically when you're on a hunt, you can't be thinking about eating when you're on the hunt and you go long distances. Whereas women are not on the hunt, they're more at home and they, they can gather things and they have their support and they collect. Uh, whereas men, they go out and you can see this with blood sugar. Uh, when when uh, a man is hungry, his blood sugar doesn't dramatically drop. 
But as soon as a woman is hungry, her blood sugar level will plummet. Different from a man's. It just goes from I'm happy to I'm not. <laughs> you see, you need fuel for your brain to produce serotonin. You need sugar in your system or glucose or, or fuel with various kinds of fuel. Fat can be converted into sugar and that's healthier, but still just glucose. So food gets converted down into glucose. Glucose goes in the brain and it's necessary to make serotonin. Serotonin is everything's okay. Everything will be okay. Everything in the past, I'm grateful for it. So that's the, that's the serotonin. Now, as soon as her blood sugar crashes, if she's, if she's hungry, her blood sugar will drop like dramatically down and the brain goes, I have no fuel. I can so feel it. Mm -hmm. You can feel it. You know the shift. And it's, it's called, what I call it is temporary amnesia where she will forget any good thing you ever did. <laughs> Suddenly you're no longer that guy. Yep. <laughs> I mean, one time my wife was hungry and she was upset at me and she says, who are you? <laughs> and it was literal. <laughs> she, she forgot anything good about me. Who are you? What did you become? <laughs> so I learned, I learned when I'm traveling with her, we go on little vacations in the car and I always have some nice healthy bars to raise the blood sugar, you know, like uh, health bars, because she would say to me, this is my mistake, which is she'd say, John, I think we need to look for a restaurant. And I say, yeah, that's a good idea. And in my mind, I'm thinking when we get to our destination, then we're going to get a restaurant. And of course, that's way too late. <laughs> we're talking uh what is it called? Green alert or red alert in, in a hospital and they blue alert. I don't forget what it's called, code but blue, it, code blue, code blue is code blue. That means you got to stop everything. Heart attack. Get that person in there. So when a woman says I'm hungry, code blue alert, get food now and don't don't argue about anything. And, and this is kind of like, you know, old fashioned wisdom sort of knew this, not directly the science of it. But if you, if you visit your grandmother's house, at least in, in, when in older generations, I would go to the grandmother's house. The first thing the grandmother says, have you eaten? Let me give you food. Because they know if you don't feed people, they could go a little crazy. You know, So food is very important. Blood sugar balance is important. And understanding the hormones that just got produced, because what just got produced when that serotonin level goes down is when blood sugar crashes, cortisol goes up and that causes your brain. Whenever there's the, the cortisol goes up, your brain says there's danger. So when there's danger, your brain will always look for where is the terrorist behind what bush? Where is it? Where is it? And that's called becoming very picky. And women have a greater sense of becoming picky, but men become picky when they're too far on their estrogen side. So this is all, all about balancing hormones. So here's a fun game you can play. And it's just great because she's not getting the normal support that would keep her estrogen up. And he's not getting the normal support that would keep his testosterone up. And so they're never going to be functioning from the unconditional love part. It's very hard to get there. We tend to go to the uh, reactivity. So this is a, a fun game you can do for 10 minutes or 20 minutes, and you can do it every day or once a week. Okay. So it's just like ease into it, depending on how much you like it, but it's like medicine for 20 minutes. This is the ideal for 20 minutes. You play this game called genie in a bottle. Now the genie in the bottle is the man. 
he is all powerful in this game. He can do everything and wants to do everything. Instead of three wishes, it's unlimited wishes within a 20 minute period of time, just within 20 minutes. And during that time, as a woman, you're not allowed to do anything for yourself. You can't feed yourself. You can't do any dishes. You can't clean any clothes. You literally are powerless to do anything. And you have to ask him to do stuff for you. That can be stuff like, would you uh, go get the lavender oil and give me a foot massage? And his reaction will be, as you wish, happy to go and zip. <laughs> he's gone. He flew away and he's back. And you are just delighted. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, this is so good. Would you take off my shoes and socks? He's, oh, certainly, certainly. And so he's playing a role, a superhero, uh, but he's also like a a maitre d' at a fancy restaurant. Oh, Dr. Gray, so good to see you. We have a special table for you. I see you brought your wife. We got an appetizer here and I know your favorite wine. You see how that is? It's like you're, you're amping up. You can do anything. Uh, I'm wondering if, uh, in, if in Australia, you've seen that movie, The Princess Bride. Did you ever see that? Okay. I, I know it very well. My name is Inigo okay. Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That's right. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. Oh, you have to watch it. Watch it tonight. That's such a good show. It's so much fun. Anyway, my daughters all loved it. They know every word to it. But one of the words in that show as well is that the man who gets the woman, what he always says, he's this quiet type. And he, what does he say? As you wish. Whatever she wants, he was as you wish. So actually, they're playing this game. A man can't play this all the time. He wants to feel that, you know, he's providing things. He has his own time or whatever. And, and, and if you ask too much in a row, it feels like nagging. He's not doing enough. But in the game, there's a logical reason because she's not allowed to do anything for herself. And, and when you can't do something for yourself and somebody does it for you, oh, there's so much more appreciation. It's kind of like tying your hands behind your back. And so he gets to save you. So. The way you do this is you ask the genie and the way you don't do this, and this is what I once explained this for an interview and evidently there was a, a woman editor who changed the rules a little bit. And, and, and she says, so ask him over there to put the dishes in the dishwasher. And when he does it, remind him how good the room looks and maybe he could do that in the future. None of that, that that's just horrible. She completely ruined the game, you know? It's, that's just criticism, that's control. That's trying to tell him what to do all the time. So this is just like, hey, I, 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 I can't do anything for myself. Oh, would you make me some orange juice? That's a really fun one we do. And cause I like the orange juice as well. So, <laughs> so would you give me a foot massage? Would you, would you clean up the kitchen, put those dishes up now? Just so she, she can see, I made a request and I got an immediate action. He can see, she, she made a request and I did something easy. I got an immediate response that generates testosterone in a man and estrogen in a woman. Cause think about it, you know, and yeah. how many times you thought maybe I want to ask him for help, but you didn't want to bother him. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to bother him. Another one is that women have is, well, I can do it myself. So I shouldn't ask, but then what ends up happening is women end up feeling I do everything. I do everything. <laughs> they, they complain to me, I do everything. If I felt I could do everything, I'd be pretty proud of myself. <laughs> you know, sometimes, but, sometimes it happens. I would rather do it myself <laughs> than ask. But Laban is very good. 
He helps me whenever he can. He's he's really good. He always asks me, do you need a help with anything? See, that's superstar. The only that- thing I, I I wouldn't like to ask him about dishes or cleaning or anything. I truly believe it's a female's role. So you're a lucky guy. <laughs> yes, I am, John. <laughs> lucky guy. You know, before my, my wife, Bonnie, and... and uh, I don't know if you know, but Bonnie and I were married for 34 years and she passed away to cancer a couple of years ago. I referred to her in present time. She's still in my life. She's in all my books and everything. And what I didn't know at the time, and I was just learning gender differences when I fell in love with Bonnie. But Bonnie had been reading a book called Fascinating Womanhood. And Fascinating Woman was teaching women to want the man to go kill the mammoth, let him do the man things. And, and so I was a lucky guy, but, but I want to say that those ideas are also rather old fashioned and some men today can take advantage of it. And that's what happened in the past is men get lazy if you don't ask for help. And let's say you're out there and you're working hard, then you need some help with the dishes. You need some help with the clouds. You need, you need help in these types of things. And, and yet in other situations where she has the luxury of a man providing for her and she can be home. She, she feels, oh, I depend on him for financial support. Then you can have plenty of estrogen. You see, it used to be women had plenty of estrogen because they couldn't make money. So they depended on men to do it. And if you can't make money and a man can make money, you're a happy lady. But if you're, you can make money and even your husband can make money, but you also make money. So what if he makes money? I, don't, I can make my own money. So women have lost a huge oper- ability to love because they're so independent now. But here's the, the, the thing back, back to like playing this game gives her an opportunity to feel powerless and to ask you to do things, whatever they are. And, and, and for you, if you're happy to wash dishes, then and the dishes are clean. But if the dishes aren't, I'd suggest go ahead and just say, oh, would you put the dishes in the dishwasher? Any, anything that you want to happen, you can't do it. So you have to ask him. And it, 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 it generates a feeling of, safety, because we tend to think things like, well, I can do it myself, so I'm not going to ask. And what I'm pointing out is a major estrogen producer is asking for help and getting it. And the the most important thing is recognizing asking for things that you can do yourself. Okay. See, this is an asking for things that are not that big. Now, this comes from another piece of research. And that research is and, and I didn't have the biological research at the time. All these things I intuitively got by counseling couples for so many years that I put in Men Are From Mars. But one of the ideas in Men Are From Mars that I help men a lot and helps women now the way I explain it, but mainly for men, is the idea that on Venus, if we imagine we're from different planets, every act of love, big or little, has the same benefit. So if you want to have a big benefit, you can't do a big thing every day. So do a lot of little things and you'll get a much bigger benefit. So the idea is little things make a big difference in romantic relationships. Tremendous. And so the idea is I can bring her 50 roses. She'll go, oh, 50 roses. And I can bring her one rose and she'll go, oh, you brought me a rose. See, they're acts of love, attention, affection, hugs, noticing, listening. All these are little things, but they actually build estrogen up, up, up. Now, now that I've done the research on hormones, you, you see another dynamic that I didn't put in Men Are From Mars, you know, I've developed the ideas more. 
is that, yeah, a little things make a big difference in a woman, just like big things do. But if her estrogen is low, you can give her 50 roses and it's too little too late. <laughs> and you can give her one rose and it's too little too late. So big or little, it all depends upon where she is in terms of her heart being open. But if, if she's happy, then little things keep her happier. And if she's not happy, little things can help to build up her happiness. But by understanding women's hormones, that's when if a man wants to help her, that's when you're going to do things for her and not anticipate getting a result right away. But to know in the long run, you will get that result. That's, and we designed for that. We can go on a hunt and go without food, knowing that we're going to get there. Uh, right now, I've got some calls in uh, Zoom stocks, and they went way down, <laughs> way down. And I know that as long as I stay in that stock, it's going to go back up. That's called a highly volatile. So I'm not worried because I know I'm not going to sell. Okay, if I sell, I just lost my money, but it will come back up. So I know that to be the case. It's done it over and over. So I feel comfortable with that. And my experience was when I was first learning how to do stocks, which is something I'm doing now during this, you know, I have to, I have to keep learning things. If you don't learn things uh, because I'm a man, I need to be making a difference. And I'm not out there making a difference as much as I did before. I can learn things to make a difference. So, and what it turns out for both men and women, if you're learning new things, you will produce blood flow to the prefrontal cortex of the brain and that lowers your cortisol levels. And in a sense, a relationship is never perfect. You're always learning how to do things better. And just that intention to always grow and learn will keep, your, keep you in that place of female energy for you, but it's also the best at male energy, which is to feel unconditional love. And, but see, unconditional love is based upon conditional love. We have a brain which is capable of truly being unconditional in our here. And in that sense, it's, hey, you weren't as nice to me today as I want you to be, but I still love you, okay? And I can feel that love for you. And that would turn out to be compassion. It could also turn out to be the opposite of jealousy. I see that you're happy. And so I'm happy for you. You know, this is, you know, it's one of the principles of success, even uh, when I talk about that. And one of my books is called How to Get What You Want and Want What You Have. It's on success. And it starts with the premise is other people's success needs to make you happy. You know, because I looked at my own life, I saw other best-selling authors and I was really jealous. I said, I'm better than them. Why are they? <laughs> and I, so I had to analyze jealousy and I started going into, hey, they have something I want that I can have. My soul knows I can have it. I'm just afraid I'm not going to get it and they're going to get it. It's all my own fear. But see, I've never been jealous of a musician. I'm not jealous of a businessman because my soul says that's not what you want. So when somebody has what you want and you're jealous, that's because your soul says that's for you. And you're just afraid that you can't have it. So you need to start affirming that's for me. So you see somebody go, that's for me. That's for me. And I can have it and I can have it. And the same thing I'm going to apply to relationships. You know, what Liban is good at is if he's stressed, he'll just take some time for himself, right? He'll just go watch TV and smile, watch a sport game, whatever, read a book. You know, this is, he can do that. And women get mad at men for that. And if I process you deep inside, you're jealous. Why does he get to do that? I don't get to do that. That's for me. I want to relax. How could I learn to relax like a man? You know, it's just, it, <laughs> and 
and generally it's women when it comes to relationships, some of the things men do, why does he get to do that? Well, guess what? You do get to do that. And when you play this game, you can say, honey, I'm going to sit on the couch. You wash those dishes. <laughs> you should try that. He'll do it. He knows it's just when you're playing the game. He knows it's just in a short period of time. He knows that you're going to appreciate him because, you know, not you, but many women, if, 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 you know, let's say, let's take the dishes thing. And, and I made this mistake in my marriage where, where, um, I told Bonnie, I said that I'm not the most amazing guy. You can ask me to do anything and you can also ask me to wash dishes and I'll do them, but you have to ask because when I was a little boy, this was a trauma for me. There's seven children, right? And six boys. And I was like one of the littlest ones. And the way my dad figured it out, he said, every child will wash the dishes one day a week. So I'm sitting in there at eight years old, washing the dishes for 12 people. <laughs> or was that eight, seven and two, nine people, dishes for nine people all by my little self. And they're all watching TV. I remember they're watching Batman superheroes and Green Lantern. And I don't get to watch that. So I did have a trauma around that. Then when I, as a teenager, I worked for a convenience jack-in-the-box store, kind of like a McDonald's, and I washed dishes, okay? And then I became a monk and I washed dishes. <laughs> I said, when I met Bonnie, I said, look, I'm the most amazing guy, but I just don't wash dishes. Is that okay with you? And she was reading a book like what you're saying, <laughs> Anna, which is fascinating women. Let him do male things, you do female things. And so she said, certainly, certainly. But then when she was pregnant, she was washing dishes. I said, honey, for the nine months of pregnancy, I'll wash the dishes. But this is a, because I see it's too much for you right now. And so I'm going to wash the dishes. And so it was so sweet. And this taught me something. She would sit there and watch me wash the dishes. And the kind of love that came from her was amazing. And I felt it. And it, this is what that love said. You don't have to wash dishes because we've already made that an agreement. You don't have to do that, but you're willing to do it because you see that I need it. And that's such a beautiful kind of love, which says you don't have to do it, but you did it. Now, let's think if everybody could just feel that way in our relationships, you don't have to do this and you still do it. Or I ask you to do it and you do it. And that's what this game is, is letting yourself just ask freely for things and see that your partner does it. And you get a different kind of love. And I noticed the difference because I think it was about seven years into the marriage. And I have all these points in my marriage because I was teaching them so I can remember them because I'd be like, well, I just learned this. So I was taking my wife to the to a restaurant, you know, our, our, our night out for the week. It would be a, a kind of a romantic evening, our date, a date night. And we're leaving the restaurant. We're having a nice date. And it was a double door. And I'm opening one door for her to walk through, walk through. I'm opening one door for her to walk through. And this man was walking up and it didn't help that he was tall and handsome. And he opened the other door. So he opened that door and I opened this door and she walked through like a queen, right? You know, two men opening the door for her. A big, beautiful thing. And she looks at the stranger and she says, oh, thank you. That was all. But what did the tone of voice said was, oh, thank you. You didn't have to do that. And you did that. Now, my husband, he better do that because I do his laundry and wash the dishes. <laughs> so I, because when we walked off, she didn't say anything to me like, oh, thank you. You know, it's like, you better do it. 
And that's something we all do over time. And that's why I'm so into the little things that make relationships special. I even have another game, and this would be really fun for you to play. It's easier in the beginning, in the engagement period and so forth. It gets a little harder later because we have all these blocks to loving because we didn't exercise our ability to love. So if my wife was, if, if generally if a wife, not me, but because I learned all this stuff, but if, if a wife was to say, um, do you love me? A man would say, of course I love you. Why do you think I work so hard? It's just a normal reaction. That's like, you should love me because of all I do. Just like she, my husband should open the door because I do his laundry. Why do I have to say, oh, thank you? Well, that's called not taking your partner for granted. And it was real clear in that first example. And the second example as well, men, we take for granted that our partners should feel how much we love them. And one of the most powerful ways to communicate love is lots of little things. That's one. That's why I recommend four hugs a day. That's non-sexual hugs. That creates oxytocin that raises her estrogen. Even now, just as you're touching her and holding her and even kissing her, that's not even a sexual kiss. That's an affectionate kiss. See, that, that produces oxytocin. Estrogen goes up. Then you have sexual touch. Once, once it's above the line of normal estrogen, then touch can be sexual. Uh, otherwise, women are not into the sex thing unless they have enough estrogen. And then it goes higher and they like the sexual touch. The so men don't understand that. Uh, so I, I was one time making love with my wife and you know she felt lots of oxytocin because she felt safe to be naked. You know, This is the safety of what sex is. It's hormone producing and her estrogen goes up and then her nipples pop out and I'm over there sucking on her nipples, which by the way, men, it's really important to produce oxytocin to raise a woman's estrogen. It's proven. Nipples is produces oxytocin, very, very oxytocin producer. Then you go down and you produce more estrogen and she's ecstatic and all of that. This is a really important part of it. And some women, I don't know why I'm getting off of this, but I'm just going to do it because we're talking a little bit about sex. Some women don't like their breasts touched or their nipples sucked. And what that means is they're vulnerable to breast cancer. So you need to be careful women and realize that if your breasts are uncomfortable being touched and you love the guy, of course, and you want him to be affectionate with you and so forth, and your breasts don't feel good, then there's a, a Taoist exercise, which you do every minute for just a few minutes, just massaging your breasts, circling your breasts one way, then circling your breasts the other way. And you've got to increase the circulation in there. You know, whenever you're ticklish, by the way, in places, that's actually sexual energy that's blocked. Children are all ticklish because they don't have sexual energy yet. So when you're ticklish, I mean, actually an erogenous zone can be kissing under the arm, behind the neck, all over these places. It's just, it's very potent. And it's particularly when the estrogen's high enough, if the estrogen's low, it can be ticklish or uncomfortable, but then as estrogen goes higher. So anyway, I was experiencing my wife really liking a little uh, sucking on the nipples and a little pinching. She seemed to have some good responses there. And I was pretty excited by it, knowing a new button to push. And because all exploration in the beginning, I had no sexual education at that point. Definitely turns you on. Definitely. Yeah. So you're, he's a lucky guy again. Lucky guy again. Okay. Do you want to know something as well, John? I've noticed is before I met Anna, I was incredibly ticklish, incredibly ticklish all through up here and stuff. And now that I've met my sexual match, I'm yes. not as ticklish anymore. Well, that's called fascinating womanhood. She's over on her female side. I love yeah. that. It's, it's, 
This is what keeps marriages together. And so many couples lose this because if the woman's too far on her male side and you don't have to read fascinating womanhood to be on your female and male side. And it's by nature. Some women by nature have more, by body type even, have more masculine qualities and they relate more to Mars because once you have more masculine qualities, it's harder to come back to your female side if you're a woman. But that's what your challenge is in this life. If you've got a woman's body, you've got to learn how to go over that side and feel I need help, I can get help, and then respond with the love that you naturally feel. And if you don't, I'm going to throw something in here, not for you guys, but for the other women listening who might be thinking, oh, I can't hear this, <laughs> this gooey love stuff. <laughs> that's called cynical. <laughs> You're never going to get the love you want. And but what you, you have to do is open up to you don't have to, if you're way on your male side, become like fascinating womanhood and, and let the man do man stuff, the woman do women's men's women do women's stuff, men do men's stuff. Everybody's different in their own balance. But if you have lack of passion and great sex and intimacy, if you're a woman, you're too far on your male side. We already know it. If you're a man, you're too far on your female side. So what you have is skills and this game is one of the games that can help balance those hormones. Asking for help in the relationship and outside the game in different ways is good. Romance is good. And think about what romance is. Romance is the man doing stuff for the woman. He opens the door for her. Now, many women today will go, I can open my own door. <laughs> That's not romantic. Stand by the car, let him come over and open the door for you. And he might say, well, can't you open the door? Of course I can. But romance is you opening the door for me. And I remember sort of giving my wife the assurance to do that. And I said, you know, honey, I'm opening the car door. I know you can do it yourself, but I'm doing it because you give so much to me and everybody else tonight. Let me do all the giving. And then, you know, that's what romance is. I'm in the car. Now I'm a fast driver, but if she's in the car, if I'm driving too fast, she puts her hand on the handle. Telling me to slow down didn't work. We figured this out. She just puts her hand on the handle. And then I, I slow down and I go, oh, I'm happy to slow down for you, honey. And I put my hand on her thigh and she says, thank you. Thank you. She really gets, that's my gift to her. Not that I shouldn't drive so fast. You see, some women go, oh, you shouldn't drive that way. You'll get a ticket. That's not the way to talk to a man. Instead, I'm uncomfortable would you slow down? But we even tried that. And if I'm driving, it felt like I was being controlled. So we figured this out. Just grab the handle. We do another one with uh, red lights and, and yellow lights. You know, red light, you stop. Yellow light, you you speed up and go through it, at least on Mars. <laughs> on, on Venus, for my wife, you slow down. And, and so she says, you know, John, I get nervous when you do that. And I said, okay, well, I want you to feel comfortable. So when I'm driving with you in the front seat, I'm driving. I'm going to slow down at yellow light. She said, that's really sweet of you. And for 34 years, I tell you, every time we're in the car, I stop at that yellow light. I put my hand over on her thigh. And she says, I know you did that. I love you. You see, she see she's not taking it for granted. It's not, I should do that. It's that I can drive any way I want. That's none of her business. But if she's sitting in the front seat, I need, I got the control of the car. So I need to take her into consideration. And that avoids arguments in the car so much because here's the deal when a woman feels protected by a man her her oxytocin goes up her estrogen goes up and she feels her need for him there's no other time in our lives 
that you can do the best foreplay as when driving a car and a woman's on the side. The man is driving. The biology of a woman knows she's completely in danger and dependent on her partner. And she will feel the rise of estrogen if she believes that he's driving in a way that's conducive to her safety and that she's a priority. So this is like revelation for men because often women are giving vaccine instructions all the time <laughs> to men. It's a turn off and whatever. But if you change the orientation and, and she has a, a proper way to communicate it, which is basically, if you want to change my driving skills, raise the hand. If you want to give me directions, don't. Just endure, trust me. And if it's a special occasion, you say, you know, John, this is a special occasion. We've never been there before. Would it be okay if I give suggestions while you're driving? And he'll say, yeah, because it's a special occasion. It's just like playing this genie in the bottle game. Just continue asking for help for 20 minutes and it's perfectly fine, even if it's big or little. And it creates this per permission for her to ask and for him to give and opens, literally changes the brain plasticity. The brain is plastic in that what you do increases more and more automatically, repetition. And it changes, that repetition changes your own hormone production in your body. So this other game is really sweet. You can do it. I love it. You can do it every day. And it's this game, which is called, uh, let's do five minutes of do you love me? Or even three minutes of do you love me? And because, you know, men will say, well, of course I love you. Instead, she says, do you love me? He says, yes. And she says, how much do you love me? He says, with all my heart or as big as the universe, but with all my heart is fine, but he can expand it if he's more poetic. Most men aren't. So accept that women. He's answering your question. So how much do you love me? And then why do you love me? And then you give two reasons. Okay. Why do you love? Oh, you're so beautiful and you're so loving. That's enough. And then he says to her, and this game is different from Genie in the Bottle. This one, you reverse it and you do both sides. You say, and he says, do you love me? She says, yes. How much do you love me? She gives her answer. And why do you love me? And she gets a chance to say a few things that he does or he's done that she loves him. And it's all, when you say why, actually, it's conditional love. Okay, you did this and that makes, and that's okay. Just know that you, what you're doing for a man is being seen and heard and appreciated and who she is, what she does is being seen and heard and appreciated. But lean into when you're complimenting a woman because she's so loving, she's so generous, she's so forgiving, she's so radiantly loving and beautiful. You feel safe with her, you're lucky with her. Another one of my favorite phrases, there's so many beautiful women in the world, but you're the only one I want, okay? <laughs> and, and it could be the same, I mean, how many, you can't, I mean, I can come up with about 30, you know, just boom, 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 boom. But you space it out and you, it just play that game for a little while and you learn from her. She'll say women usually are better at this than men because they're more in touch with articulating those kind of feelings until you learn how to articulate those subtle feelings inside, give words to them. Then what you can do, you're making love. And most couples, when they make love, they stop talking. What I suggest for men is you're making love, you're doing your whole thing. And as soon as you see in, a, in 10 seconds or a minute, I'm going to have an orgasm and ejaculate, you stop. And you look her in the eyes and you say, you know why I love you? And you start talking. Take that sexual, you say, you know, I love you. I need you. You know, when I'm away from you, I miss you. You're the best. I just adore you. And then you change positions. 
Start, in, start over. This is the secret of making love is let it build and build and build. As, as opposed to, you know, we just become really quiet. We close our eyes or we, you know, it's dark. It's that we see each other, but you do it slowly but surely. And you learn how to articulate the feelings. And ultimately, as I learn to articulate the feelings of love, then it gets to a certain point where the feeling I have, and I've learned to articulate this, but you don't want to say it unless you're feeling it. And there's such strong feelings in sex, but such an inability to connect and articulate it. So you want to develop that articulation from this other game, then bring it into the bedroom. And, and why do I love you? Okay. You feel, I need you so much in my life. You're mine. See, this is, you're my wife. It's a feeling of you're mine. I can have you. And I'm yours. <laughs> you can have me. Remember, havingness is you get that package. Look what I have. That's what, if everybody could love what they have, the world would be a different place. Is learning how to feel love. I have you. And you get to celebrate that in bed. You're naked, your mind, body, heart, open. It's all there. And you've made that commitment. Are you mine? And yes, I am yours. And I'm, and you're mine. This is such a sweet thing. So I'm yours, you're mine, and we are one. And you feel this oneness forever. I'll always be with you. Now, we know, logically speaking, you're not physically going to always be together. <laughs> you're going to have your different lives. But they're romantic feelings. You see, those are the feelings of, of this love. Because love is connection with the soul. And the soul is eternal. And we will always be together as, on a soul level. It doesn't end. But so you just let yourself go with these romantic feelings and look at all the songs that, you know, I will always love you. <laughs> you will never, you know, <clears throat> and you could be very cynical or even logical and go, well, how do I know you're always going to love me? <laughs> you know, I'm going to get old and, and not look beautiful anymore. Why'd you still love me then? <laughs> and I want to share as a man who's been, who was married for 34 years and loved with my wife for over 40 years. Uh, you know, we got older and I loved her more. And there wasn't, there wasn't a Saturday night when I didn't have ecstatic sex with her unless I was out of town. And as soon as I came home, we did it. And that is the passion that keeps you together, the oneness that you experienced at that time. And now I just want to throw a little idea out there uh, and people can take it as they wish. But we have now research showing that when a man ejaculates, his testosterone goes down 50%. And it doesn't go back up until six days of celibacy. Just to let you know, this is proven. Now, in the beginning of a relationship, it doesn't test out that way because there's so much newness to stimulate testosterone. And, you know, some people hear me talk about this and they say, well, oh, that's not enough sex. We need to have more sex than that. Because particularly when you're dating in the beginning, there's all this newness that stimulates all this sex. So you quit, quit you you equate a lot of sex to how much we love each other. But if you look statistically, so many women stop being interested in sex after a while. And so many men lose interest in having sex. You know, Viagra, for example, is <laughs> a third of Americans take Viagra to get an erection. This is like, can you imagine that? I have an erection every morning. I'm 70 years old. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine not having that, you know, that's right. That's superhero, super master. And, but see, the reason I, I have so much is the first level is in my marriage. When I first got married, there was a lot of sex and it was all sex, sex, sex. But then the drive, it wasn't the same, you know, it goes away after a while. You hear this from people and it does happen. It's no longer this passionate 
feeling of I'm yours, you're mine, we're one, you know, it just becomes this loving experience and it's nice. And people, and then I say, well, you've had too much sex. You need to not eat so much. Okay. People who eat too much often don't appreciate food and get as much out of their food. So they keep wanting to eat more. Try fasting for two days. The food you eat will taste magnificent. So if you notice your sex is starting to not be as great as it was when you're falling in love, then try not having sex for six days and see what happens. And what you'll find is it's magnificent. Now, fortunately, I had this good wisdom. I didn't have the science to back it up. But I remember after a while, the sex was going down in my marriage after about six years. And uh, it just wasn't like it was in the beginning. Sometimes it'd be spectacular. And I noticed it was spectacular after I'd been away for a week because sometimes I would travel and I'd come back. And one time I traveled for three weeks and that's when I first had the real awakening of your mind, I'm yours, we're one forever. And I, we just did it and did it and did it. And I felt like Superman. I mean, this was, I, I said, what happened? You know, it's because I didn't have so much sex because it, it was a pressure. I was an expert on relationships and sex. And people say, well, how often do you have sex? You know, I felt like I should, have, should say every other day. And I mean, one time I had sex every day, you know, and, and but it wasn't, it just became sex. It wasn't like this ma amazing, magical love affair that you're just communing in souls. So I became aware of that. So I started doing just simply uh, once a week and, uh, and never masturbating. That, as soon as you masturbate and you're a man, what happens is your testosterone goes down 50% and it won't come back up. It, it, actually, they measure this, okay? You ejaculate, your testosterone will go down 50%. And it will stay half. On the seventh day, it will double. Now, in your 60s and 70s, it's it will maybe take nine or 10 days if you ejaculate. But you have to make sure that you don't masturbate. Because a lot of men, their wives aren't interested in sex because he doesn't have the testosterone. You see, for women, this is biological. Arousal in a woman only happens when her estrogen starts to double. Okay, it has to be on the higher level. That's arousal in women, sexual arousal. And there is another kind of arousal. We'll just talk about normal arousal. She's feeling loved, supported, not stressed. Her estrogen levels are going higher. Then she will find men more attractive. That's been proven. High estrogen levels in women actually cause her to feel, I want to have sex with him. So that's a desire aspect. Next thing, they found that if a woman has high estrogen, she puts out a smell that's a pheromone called pheromones. We don't consciously smell them, but our subconscious mind is always looking for pheromones if you're a man. And the, we have actually another nose up here, which is two flaps in our nose that only pick up, it's always looking for female pheromones. <laughs> and if it reaches pheromones, it creates blood flow down south. And that only happens when a woman's estrogen levels are really high, then her body produces pheromones. And that makes women more attractive to men. So women, the older you get, as long as you can produce pheromones, he's glued to you. Now, that's one part of it. Two is men, when a man's testosterone levels double, that's when you're feeling Superman. That's when you're feeling powerful, confident, self-assured, and so forth, all those good feelings. You're producing pheromones, male pheromones from high testosterone, which women smell. 
And a lot of women, when I'm away, my wife would always smell my t-shirts, you know, it just like felt so comforted by the t-shirts because the t-shirts have that smell in them <laughs> that, that is high testosterone. And if you have high testosterone in men will produce high estrogen in women, high estrogen in women will produce increasing testosterone in men. So this is, it's like amazing the biology as such. Now, if a man ejaculates not to his wife who loves him, a different hormone gets produced. You see, when, when you ejaculate to your wife, you may come together, you, she feels in love with you, your heart is open, it feels so good. What will happen to a man, his testosterone will also go down 50%. Always, if you ejaculate, your testosterone goes down. And, you know, it's just normal level. It's just what you want as Superman to feel that real powerful passion in sex and so forth and making love. So if, if he makes love with his wife, his estrogen, you know, will go up because he loves her so much. His testosterone goes up and estrogen goes higher and that causes ejaculation his testosterone will go down. It will stay down for about six days at a moderate level, a little bit rising over the days. But if he doesn't ejaculate, it will double. And when it doubles, it will help her estrogen to go higher. Now, if his testosterone doesn't double, her estrogen doesn't double. See, it's like she doesn't get the, the mirror. And what happens is a conditioned response. And this is over time why couples usually experience decreasing sexual desire for each other. Many men always have sexual desire, but the woman is kind of doing it to please him. You know, he wants to do it. We're doing it. And he has his biological need. Actually, he has an addiction to sex. Uh, this is what's now been proven is that when you make love with your wife and you both have orgasm, so you high level of testosterone and, oxy and estrogen, a man's body... <clears throat> will also produce as a result, a hormone called prolactin. Prolactin is a very female hormone that causes uh, the drop to milk when she's breastfeeding a child, also sucking on the nipples, produces oxytocin, but also prolactin. Well, for a man, if he makes love with his wife, someone he knows, he will produce prolactin. Prolactin frees him from the addiction to sex. If a man masturbates, he's now becomes addicted to sex. He will be, if he does porn, he will become addicted to porn. And you see this, kids are masturbating three times a day to porn. Uh, if you're just masturbating, you just want to masturbate more and more. And, you know, some woman said to me, well, John, you talk about men really wanting sex if they have great sex once a week. What if they're having sex twice a day? I said, well, then your husband is, is basically addicted to sex and either you're an nymphomaniac and you have some problem or there's a hormonal imbalance, a dissatisfaction. And Fortunately, you know, I don't know the person's name, but I'm just saying the bottom line there is if you just look at statistics, men, some men, because they have good jobs or they have keep their testosterone up, they'll want to have sex. But because they're ejaculating so much, it never hits that double level. And a woman will become disinterested in sex over time with you if you don't hit the double level. Now, why is that? This is something nobody writes about in books. I haven't even put this part in books. You know, this, this evolution of knowledge with research. We know that if a man doesn't ejaculate for six days and he has sex with his wife, his testosterone levels double. Now that they've doubled, uh, his testosterone always will go back down and she'll feel that pulling away. At a time when her heart was fully open, he pulls away. That's a conditioned response. That's this unconscious mind goes, oh, I open up, I lose love. Then I must be careful not to open up. 
So nature then puts a little safety valve in there to keep couples together, which is you make love with your wife, it will produce with love, it will produce prolactin. Prolactin inhibits his desire to have sex for about six days. So he's not out hunting for another woman as so many men are today because they're masturbating. They're just hunting for women all the time. They're obsessed with sex. They go online and look at all these women and everything and it's only addictive. And then they masturbate and then they're more addicted to that. Because if you look at primitive evolution, if a man, if a woman, women needed to pick what's the right man to have a baby with because they didn't have birth control. So you pick the right man. So now you feel love for him and your love for him causes him to feel more love for you. That thing causes prolactin to get produced. And now he doesn't wander, but he stays with you. But let's say a man has sex with a woman who doesn't, he doesn't love or she doesn't love him. Then what nature does, it says, you need to go find a woman who loves you. <laughs> and so keep desiring sex because men will continue desiring sex all the time if they don't make prolactin. Or you look in the flip side of this, if you learn how to have sex without ejaculating every time, then you want to have sex, but it's with someone you love. You see, having sex with someone you love, we already know statistically, if this is looking at averages on hormone tests, this is all interesting. Men, once they get married, once they get in a committed relationship, on an average, there'll be a drop in his testosterone. And once he gets married, there's another drop in his testosterone. And once he has children, there's another drop in his testosterone. This is statistically, because statistically, men at 35 start dropping in testosterone. Well, that's not me because I have sexual skills and I also have a good relationship where I feel successful. I also feel I have success in my life. I also have success in my relationship and success in my relationship implies an understanding of differences. I go to my cave. My wife doesn't feel ignored. See, most women, their husbands are ignoring you. They go, well, why isn't he looking at me? You know, why is he ignoring me? I want to ask him questions. He's getting annoyed and irritated. Doesn't he love me? He loves you, but he needs his cave time to rebuild his testosterone. So having followed all these things back here, I was able to have an amazing relationship. And I, I want to, you know, people always talk about soulmate relationships. For the first 20 years, I'd say we had a soulmate relationship, but then we were soul twins. And what soul twins are was you actually become just like your partner. Okay. Whatever they feel, you feel. <laughs> You know, complete understanding. That's what's happening yeah. with us. Yeah. It's literally the same. That's soul twins. Now, I just want you to know, you're also soulmates. You'll see. Once you're married, <laughs> your partner will push your buttons because a soulmate is someone who's perfect to push your buttons because you love them so much, you can be upset with them and then you can let it go. See, if somebody in the outer world upsets me, it's easy. Uh, you, you let it go. I don't have to do any personal growth within myself to let it go. But if my wife pushes my buttons, my, underneath that, I really want to love her fully. So I have to let it go. So part of growing and love is your ability to be upset with someone and let it go and let it go and let it go. And for women, that means never ever complain out loud. If you complain out loud, what's gonna happen is you're growing neural connectors in your brain that basically say, if you want more, you need to have negative emotions. <laughs> the brain learns, if ever you use negative emotions to get what you want, that's called complaining, being upset and complaining. If you use negative emotions to get what you want, 
Then when you want more, your brain immediately generates negative emotions. And how does it generate negative emotions? It has to find justifiable reasons to be angry or hurt or to be afraid. So I watched this in couples. They just literally, by bad communication habits, they create negativity in their brain. So they're always looking at what they're missing rather than what they have. And being a new couple, you have the opportunity here because the newness of a relationship means that you have a chance to grow these neural connectors. And that means for Anna, if ever you have a complaint, a negative emotion, write it out and then write out the response you'd love to hear from him. And then write out how you would feel if that if he did that, gave you that response and never give him that letter. Because then just going that process, you'll feel good again. You're not looking to change him to feel good. You're looking to your negative emotions to become aware of them and then give yourself what you need, which is to imagine him responding to it and then feeling happy. And then you don't need to complain, but then you're left with, well, how do I tell him? I like him to turn out the lights in the living room. Yes, exactly. You don't complain. You learn how to ask for help without complaining. See, this is an art. And some cynical people, some cynical women would go, oh my God, this is so hard. No, it's easier. It's called, how do you love someone? <laughs> it's how to love someone. So what you do, Bonnie taught me this because she, I take credit for part of it because I created so much safety in her that she figured this stuff out. She felt safe to start learning this stuff. And then she started teaching me how women can bring out the best in men. I learned how to bring out the best in women because I never complain. I never complain. I learned not to complain. I come from a place of my, if I want to be happy, I have the power to be happy in myself. She learned over time because I never complained about her. She figured out another way to ask for help. And then I saw, wow, that really works. So I'm going to tell you what she did. One of her complaints, okay, now this is probably into about 20 years in the marriage or so. There was this thing I did. And it's the little things that actually cause annoyance and irritation over time. They become bigger things. And so we have this house and it's rather long. And I go from the bedroom to the kitchen or bedroom to the den where there's a TV. So I'm always sort of traveling through this big living room and a dining room. And this is a big house. And so I turn on the light as I'm walking down this hallway. And then I turn on this light as I'm walking through the living room. And I turn on this light as I go through the den. And then I'm in the TV room. And I don't turn anything out. Okay. So she says, John, you forgot to turn out the lights. You know, we need to be environmentally friendly and not waste electricity. So that's one of her big values. And not that I don't value that. Just to me, it was no big deal, but it was somewhat of a big deal. So what I did is I got the energy from free energy. Even still, she said, yes, even though it's free energy, you have to pay for it. <laughs> and we could save money if you didn't leave the lights on. I said, okay, I'll try to remember. But you see, those were all complaints and arguments to change me. And what, what she noticed is over the years, he keeps turning out, he keeps leaving the lights on. Now in the beginning, now let's look at her side of it. In the beginning, him leaving the lights on, not a big deal. Can you remember, you know, turn out the lights and gave me some reason why I should change. Never tried to change a man. <laughs> I kept, it wasn't a conscious. I just never did it. You know, she'd be so frustrated. So she's seeing here now, suddenly this little thing of, oh, I have to turn out the lights. You forget. That's a little thing becomes a bigger thing and a bigger thing because the meaning of it means I asked for help and he's not willing to do it. So therefore he must not love me. 
That's why it becomes a bigger thing. It's the meaning you put on that because it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal if somebody leaves the light on suddenly, but to cause you to be all upset, we can understand why you get upset because you now interpreted that to mean he doesn't love me. So if I really need his help, I'll get nothing as opposed to if you really need his help, he's like right there. You know, he's that Superman. He'll go out in the hurricane. He's giving food out to the people. He, you know, these guys, you know, who are often not the best husbands, <laughs> but you give them a big problem. They're right there. It's just they don't recognize the value of little things because in our Martian world, little things don't pay. It's not a big deal. And how we cope with stress is no big deal. No big deal. No big deal. We're experts at that. You should recognize you would be better if you learned that. Well, that's what she learned, how to communicate to a man. So here's what she learned. This is like magic. This is million dollar stuff. This is 20 years of a husband who doesn't turn out the light. And you're, you know, she comes to the kitchen, you forgot again. And she'd stare at me and I looking for an apology. <laughs> like, how can I apologize? <laughs> you're just leaving. <laughs> it's just like, what's the big deal here? And sometimes she'd want me to say, I'm sorry. So I would try to say, I, I said, okay, I'm sorry. She says, yeah, but you don't mean it. And I said, what's well, true? I don't feel sorry. I can't fabricate that feeling. I can say it. I apologize, but I'm not sorry. I said, then how did we get to the point where now I, and, and now she's gone. I still, every time I turn out the light, I think of her with love in my heart. But for 10 years, I turned out the light thinking of love in my heart. It was a way I could love her. What caused the change? I'm telling you, this is what caused the change. She used to put her hands up. She used to stare at me. She'd remind me. She'd get frustrated. She'd say, you know, what bills are this? She'd read the electric bill. You know, the electric bill's so high because you leave the lights on. Everything she could do to make me realize I was doing something bad. If you try to make a man bad, you're amplifying. If you amplify, men will minimize. I just want you to get this, women. If you amplify, men will minimize. If you minimize, men will amplify. So how did she do it? She figured this out. So she, one day she popped her head into the kitchen after I'd left the light on and she smiled at me. She says, John, I just want you to know, I've noticed many times you do turn the light out, but sometimes you still forget. It's not a big deal, but when you do remember, it makes me really happy and then left the room. Wow. What a smart woman. Wow. Yes, yes, you can see how smart that is. <laughs> she took something that was a negative and turned it into a reward system. She did it three times and no more. Because after that, I now would think of, I make her happy when I turn this light out. I make her happy when I turn this light out. There wasn't any negative message associated with it. If women could realize any negative messages, not only shut a man down and make him defensive. And how do I deal with negative amount, negative messages? Forget it. I don't want to remember negative messages. Men can minimize. I minimize it. I minimize it. But when she minimizes, it's not a big deal. And sometimes, so I got appreciation. I'll unpack that for you. She took the time to acknowledge I did something right. Oh, I'll listen to that all day long. And then and sometimes... Sometimes, not all the time, because, you know, some what women will do is like you forgot again or they'll use that phrase. You always leave the light out. You know, you never listen to me. All those phrases, whatever you say, it's not going to be recorded in his brain. OK, it just goes right, right out. You see. So if you minimize, she so she basically gave me a smile. She pointed out a success that I had. She mentioned that occasionally I still turn the, I still leave it on just sort of as an off afterthought. And she said, it's not a big deal. 
as soon as it wasn't a big deal, then it's like, oh, oh, what is that? And then she said, when you do turn it out, it does make me happy. It makes me really happy. And she walked out of the room because there's a tendency for a woman to like look for a response. Like, did you hear me? Did, are you sorry? Are you a bad boy? You know, <laughs> are you going to change? When are you going to change? All of that stuff. It doesn't work. See, it's not, it's not right or wrong. It's what works. And I just thought, wow, what an amazing thing. And she just used that, you know, she got it. But the way she got there was recognizing that complaining doesn't work. Love does work. And at the same time, she lived with a husband who I teach, I do therapy. I help people get in touch with their negative emotions in order to be aware of them and let them go, let them go. And, and I teach women, you know, I'm, one of my books I called uh, What You Feel You Can Heal and my Men Are From Mars book and the Beyond Mars and Venus book, all my books, I teach this technique of when you're upset, you unpack it. What emotions are there? Anger, sadness, fear, and regret. They're always there. What you want, wish, and need are underneath that. So you write it out. You explore. What am I angry about? Okay. What am I afraid of? You see, if you if somebody's angry and I said, oh, you're not really angry. You're just afraid. I'm not afraid. Are you kidding? I'm angry because always there's deeper levels to things. That's like we were talking about making love when you're feeling all that passion. Well, give words to it. What are those words? You know, you're the one for me. I adore you. I need you. I miss you. Oh my gosh. I was on this trip. I just thinking about you give words to it. And it becomes more real. It integrates these basic primitive, passionate feelings into the higher brain. And then it becomes more, more, uh, and integrated, and you can feel it more of the time. How many men love their wives, would die for their wives, but they don't feel the passion? Why? Because they haven't learned how to articulate it, and she hasn't learned to articulate her love for him. And I, I don't want this to seem like too much pressure on women, but I'll let you know, men only grow in love through a woman's love. And it's a, a mother's love that awakens men to being loving. Check out his relationship with his mother is always a good thing to check out. But even still, a woman can open a man's heart. Love is the estrogen hormone. And men cannot go to the estrogen hormone and be positive unless they also have testosterone. And it's a woman's love that builds up his testosterone. You know, for me, people always say, well, how did you turn out so well in your family? Well, I was the fifth boy. And so certainly by the time I came along, my mother was wanting a girl for sure, <laughs> but she got a boy. But she also noticed as I was growing up, they used to use regular Texas discipline techniques. You know, when the boys would misbehave and there's six boys, you know, so there's a lot of boys. They pull out, my mother would say, okay, I'm telling your father. And that meant the belt was coming out and you'd get whipped. You know, this was normal procedure in Texas. In some places it still is. I'll tell your father and you get whipped, which by the way, why that tradition was there is that when you whip somebody, it causes them not just to feel fear, it causes them to feel. It's feelings that awaken our needs. When you can feel, then you can feel your need. When you can feel your need, a child will feel like, oh, I better behave because I need their love. Without their love, I'm thrown out. So that's really the benefit of that. But when you can communicate in such a way that children can feel their emotions without being pushed down, then they're aware that they need you. So they better, they're motivated to please you and accommodate you, which is a good thing as long as your parent's not dysfunctional. You know, if the parent's dysfunctional, 
then then accommodating them makes you dysfunctional. So, you know, that's a whole thing in my book, Beyond Mars and Venus. So when you have little babies, I want you to read, uh, not Mar- Beyond Mars, Venus, but read Children Are From Heaven. Children From Heaven is how to communicate with your children so that they will listen to you. Uh, and part of that is being able to hear them without them controlling you. So, you know, when you say, hear me, you think uh, you should do what I say. No, hear your children, but don't do what they say. You're the boss. So I'm really into being the boss, but at the same time, I'm into being a softy, which I'll take some time to hear you, but the negotiation's over now. We're going to do what I say. And you don't, if you hear children, they will obey. They don't risk if they feel heard. But when they don't know how to communicate, I mean, you don't help them communicate what they feel. Then what happens is they don't realize how much they need you and they constantly misbehaving, misbehaving. So it's it's always, and what I'm doing here with relationship counseling for men and women and helping women to understand as they go to their male side, why they need a man is to help her get back to her female side. Being able to talk to a man, to be naked in your mind with and feel safe, to be able to express how you feel, that he can be there for you and you can go more deeply into how you feel. And part of the fascinating womanhood thing is to feel that, oh, I need a man and I can ask for help and, and appreciate what he provides for me. It's just gotten a little more complicated today as women are more on their independent side. There's less awareness that you need a man. And our culture is constantly pushing you in that direction of your male side, your male side. And man needs us to get energy from us. That's absolutely right. And so when men can't get it through a woman, what happens is men drink too much beer because beer produces estrogen. Then he becomes addicted to beer. Now, a little beer is fine because actually to rebuild testosterone, once you've run out of testosterone, you need your cave time, which is like a hobby, something that's enjoyable that makes you happy. And a beer, it produces a little estrogen and a little testosterone. That's called a challenge. Like say you're watching a football game. Oh, you should, even though he's not, he's passive. He's actually saying, don't do that. Do this. Oh yes, you can do this. So he's almost like the coach over on the side. You know, he's engaged in making decisions for his team in, in his fantasy world while he's watching. Okay. So that's a little testosterone, but he's also not doing it. He's depending on them to do it. That's a little bit of estrogen. Now I'm bringing this into the picture because I recently was, you know, I keep studying hormones and what, if you're a weightlifter, it turns out that you also need estrogen when you're in your down period. You use up your testosterone through your pushing, pushing hard on your weights. Then you have to relax in order to rebuild. But while you're relaxing, you have to depend on something to make you happy. And that's the estrogen. You need a little estrogen to put your body into what's called parasympathetic mode to rebuild muscles. And then you produce testosterone to rebuild the muscles. So you need to be more on your male and female side for a little while. You see, if I come home right from my work, my testosterone's down and I come right to my wife, what happens then is I still have to be on my testosterone side to provide for her, to give her, you see? And I, I may have to use up my testosterone. So first I need a little time to do whatever I'm dependent on to feel good. That requires a little testosterone, a little estrogen, and then the body can rebuild a high level of testosterone. It goes up. Now I can go into the realm of my wife where I'm being masculine, caring for her, but also connecting with her, which is my feminine energy. So you just give him some time. He needs his time. And the more stressed he is, the more time he's going to need apart. But also what brings him out is 
he can, men can get stuck in their cave. That's why this genie in the bottle game is so helpful because it brings him out of his cave in a very simple way. It's assured success in this game. And also, it's also, do you love me? And of course, sex is always important for men because biologically, you, it's your assured success. I mean, basically, man's body works that way until it doesn't. And I'm telling you back to where I did, there's so many men over 40 taking Viagra, so many women not interested in having sex with their partner. You had too much sex or you didn't know how to have sex. You need to make sure ideally a woman, this is from my book, Marcy is in the bedroom. I'm having fun sharing all my books with you. You're looking at two smiling people. I want to give you everything I can. <laughs> and and not that we can send the check, John. <laughs> Yeah, it's all free. It's all free. But Mar Mars Venus in the bedroom, and probably you know this, but I like to repeat it, reaffirm for people who are listening. If you want passion to last in a relationship, one ejaculation a week plus, when you ejaculate, make sure she's already had an orgasm or she's having it while you're having your ejaculation. Very, very important. If you ejaculate before a woman, there's not, no energy for her to orgasm. You know, you can go down on her and touch her, but you know, you, you don't have an erection. You're not into it. Your energy's gone. Women need, when they open up, they need to be met with that high energy. And then you, when you come back to have sex again, you need to have that high energy. And that's why you need to have a little bit of celibacy in between. You can have lots of romance and affection. You can learn how to have sex. It takes a while. You can learn to be sexually intimate with your partner, men, and not ejaculate. And that means I'll give you the, the system for that. Now you can do it, Liven, because you've got muscle mass. I can see it. Uh, the exercises that you have to do, one of the most important for men is you can learn from ballet. Ballet uh, is, uh, Baryshnikov was known, by the way, everybody thought, oh, he's this big ballet dancer, he's gay. He's far from it. He did every single ballet dancer. And he could do them one after another, after another, because he didn't ejaculate every time. Okay. And he had those leg muscles. So what you do is you practice the, the simple part of it is strong leg muscles. Uh, in Taoism, you do these uh, positions where you, it's like holding a squat for a while and, and you strengthen those thigh muscles so that when you penetrate, when you're pushing in, you're using your whole leg muscles to push the, the glutes, the buttocks together. So you're thrusting as your whole legs are thrusting and your anus is relaxed. So if you, if you pull on the anus, if you tighten your anus when you thrust, then what's gonna happen is you're gonna basically have more sexual tension and need to ejaculate sooner. So if you wanna go for a long time, you keep your anus relaxed, always relaxed, and you practice this in your plies. A plie is, is uh, well, you can go online, look at ballet dancers, but they had their legs crossed and they go down and they go up and they go down and they go up, all the way up on their toes, okay? You get all the way, walk on your toes and you hold that and come back down. And being on your toes brings in all of your muscles to cause your buttocks, your glutes to come together like rock hard, you know, that has to be rock hard. So that then when you're penetrating her, you're constantly, well, you're, you, you, you're penetrating, but your butt, your, your, um, what is it called? The anus is always relaxed. That's the whole key that. Now, another technique that I learned in China, I'm a master of this. I mean, I'm a sexual master. I can have sex for 10 hours. Okay. And, and I never ejaculate. I have sex every day. I'm a stud, you know, my, 
and, and, you know, it was, uh, my wife passed on and, and I went on, you have to get back on the horse. I have a woman that I'm in love with and she's wonderful. And, and I've taught her all this stuff and she, but she's also a ballet dancer. So she's also a multi-orgasmic. Uh, this is like an amazing thing for women to know ballet poses, walking on your toes called the crane exercise in Taoism in China that causes your, your also your, your buttocks muscles to stay tight so that when you're being penetrated, your vagina stays tight. Okay, so that's really important for her to hear, experience all the sensation and for him to experience the sensation as well. And after you've had babies, that changes, but it comes right back if you do ballet exercises. Again, the plies, walking on your toes. And for women, you practice walking on your toes, doing ballet moves with a piece of paper between your thighs, holding the paper <laughs> in. So you're having to walk, holding this whole area, contracting those muscles. And they'll always stay like a young 20 year old vagina. And they'll also stay lubricated. You know, Western women, they're all using lubrication even to have intercourse because they can't lubricate themselves because they're not getting enough foreplay. And they also don't exercise those pelvic muscles. Ballet dancing does it. Uh, what is it? The Egyptian belly dancing does it. All those dancing moves are designed to increase estrogen and blood flow to the pelvic area where you can enjoy pregnancy, getting pregnant, you know, having sex. And now here's one other technique for men, because I want men to have the benefit of this. I rarely teach this online, <laughs> but you have a brick. Okay, yeah, everybody knows a brick and, and uh, wrap it in a towel. And right here, you can't see, but right between your thighs, like the women have a piece of paper holding it together, but men need to have a heavy brick. And then holding that brick between, you're now going to practice pelvic movement as if you're having sex to the air, okay? So you've got, you've got that brick there. This will blow your mind if you do that for five minutes, 10 minutes. The way you walk will be totally different. I mean, you walk like just this stud, you know, your hips will move as you walk, you know, you're, you're in your pelvis as well as your head and your heart. John Travolta and Saturday, Saturday Night Fever? That's a John Travolta work, walk. That's for sure, John Travolta walk. And, and not that you have to walk that way, but after that exercise, you'll see it's automatic. And what that does is that moves the, the whole vibration back and forth. And also when you're having intercourse, when you get close to where you see ejaculations coming, stop and get into another position and start over. It's stop and start over, stop and start over. Start. That's why you'll see in all these ancient texts, they have all these body positions. Uh, it's because they would stop and start over, stop because they knew the value of sex for healing things. You know, they're, they're, it's amazing. In the days when people didn't have TV, what did they do at night? You know, they'd have sex because they became masters of sex. I think I've got a great title for your next book. And I think <laughs> it's your duty to call it 50 Shades of John Gray. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great title that's a great title it just you know, <laughs> came to me and i want to tell you something about the shades of, of of john gray for 10 years before that book 50 shades of gray before it came out for for 10 years i had a column an international column with millions of readers until i just stopped doing the column thing then we had other things but uh and it was called shades of gray wow and then the Fifty Shades of Grey, and the guy who's who's in the in the book is uh, is his last name is Grey as well, Christian Grey. <laughs> so, anyway, 
Shades of Grey is a great title and you might see a book from me, uh, Fifty Shades of John Grey. I like that idea. That's really, really, thank you for that. You are Superman. You're Superman. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I, I listened to an, audi- um, an audible book, Jack, Jack Canfield the other day, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and he talks about you and how generous you were in helping him get that book out. And yeah. uh, I wrote my first book during lockdown this year. It hasn't been published yet, but I'd love to get your thoughts and ideas later on, but we can discuss this another time. You've been incredibly generous. It's been an honor, Dr. John Gray. And and we're definitely going to play those games. I love Yes, yes. What are those games? The genie in the bottle game and the do you love me love game. Me. Yeah, yeah. Such <laughs> yeah. a sweet one. Such a sweet one. Another one is what I'm grateful for. You know, that's another one. Just gratitude is so helpful to let women come back to their female side. It's just a, just a, three things I'm grateful for at dinner. You just say, and always include your partner in one of them. That's always a good thing. Every morning. Every morning we every do that. That's a good oh, you do that every morning. Yeah, yeah. So smart. Yeah, yeah. Four hugs a day, a compliment, whisper in your ear every day, at least once during your hug. I love you so much. And always notice when she gets her hair done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we notice. Thank you so much. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training well i will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available and not only just bring them on but to develop relationships with them that build into know like and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire you'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience go to podcastingheroes.com it's p-o-d-c-a-s-t-i-n-g H-E-R-O-E-S dot com.